This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minter, hit in the backfield and grilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Touchdown, college! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Pop the brakes! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukin Holtz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are counting down to the football season. So close you can taste the, what, corned beef and cabbage, the Guinness, the Dublin game is coming. Uh, it's coming thir- 35 quickly. days. 35 days, man. Five weeks. That's where we're at. It is, it is close. We've got Big Ten Media Days next week. It's starting to get real. Fall practice, or yeah, fall camp. That's, that's starting next week as well. You've got, uh, schedules for, for what the media can expect and, and outrage or non-outrage, whether assistants are allowed to talk. You've got, uh, a new assistant coach being just mercilessly slandered by his former boss. Yep. There's a lot to talk about this week. I, and we do have our D-line preview as well. We are previewing just two more positions here this summer. We've got offensive line next week. Defensive line is today. Uh, and Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal Star will join us to touch on that, uh, as well as where uh, Fred Hoiberg may or may not be with that Armand Gates backfill situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but Caleb, let's let's start with you. You got you you got a big couple of weeks here. We, what <laughs> aren't you doing? You are dropping a new podcast. You yeah. are going on a big old fishing trip with with your dad and some other guests, <laughs> and you are getting. Married next week. How is life for Caleb Henry lately? And it is busy. I tell you what is busy. It's, you, you think just chasing a toddler around would be one thing. Yeah, that's a um, lot. But yeah, last uh, this last week we also, we had the uh, the first episode of my Hey Dad podcast came out. Talked with Dr. Rob Zadiska, former Husker, mm-hmm. uh, a couple years in the NFL. He's got a few. He's got three great kids. Um, he talked about them, but also shared some stories of him and his brothers growing up. Um, stories of him and his dad. Uh, his dad passed a couple years ago, but uh, just the stories on that, the influence it had on him and how that turned him into the father he is now, brought those influences in. Um, it's just a lot of great conversation and stories within there. But then this week I was lucky enough to go fishing up to Minnesota with my dad and about 40 other people uh, from here in Lincoln in the, the Lincoln area. Uh, so folks as far out west as Alliance came and joined us. It, yeah, it was cool. a good time. Yeah. Um and was able to get into some fish, especially on the third day, northern pike, walleye, uh sauger, lake sturgeon. My dad caught a, a little smallmouth bass, but man, it was a lot of fun to go up there and we recorded episode two, that's gonna come out on Tuesday, sitting outside of the bar at Ballard's Resort, just off of the river on the deck. Like being on a, a trip with your dad where you can go, and my dad played baseball at Nebraska, finished up here. His name is in Memorial Stadium on one of the pillars where they have the senior letter winners. But he started out at Kansas. He's from Beatrice. So there were a lot of stories about my grandparents had season tickets to Nebraska men's basketball. Him coming up being like 10, 12 years old and getting $3 and them saying, all right, find a way in. <laughs> it's like you couldn't do that now. Three, yeah. three bucks isn't getting you a hot dog, you know. Yeah. So a lot of stories like that, and we've been on. I haven't been fishing with him since I was in college. I haven't been on a fishing trip going somewhere since I was in high school. So that was a lot of fun in itself. But then to just sit and go through a bunch of memories for for something that I'm really passionate about this project with Hey Dad. So it's obviously at klin.com. You can find it Spotify, um, Amazon Music, all those places, and. Really enjoy if you guys could subscribe, follow, and, and share. And um, there's some fun guests that I have coming up um, with all this. Larry Putney, Big Ten Network, yep. Nebraska Public Media. He's going to be on here in a couple weeks. But that's all going on. And then, yeah, four days away, going to be married so I can start sporting some jewelry. Yeah. Walking around, get a little something on the finger. Well, bling, bling. She's going to put a ring on it. There you go. <laughs> it's yeah. about time she put a ring on it, wouldn't you say? 
She likes it, I guess. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, we uh, all of us here at uh, at KLIN and Broadcast House are real happy for you, and we're looking forward to that here coming Appreciate up this it. week. Um, and uh, I know we're also you and I looking forward to fall camp here coming up. And uh, it, it fair to say it snuck up on us. I mean, summer's gone by super quick. I've been. Su- I mean, you've got a toddler. I've got four kids, and they've got activities all through the summer too. And but it wasn't slow. That's one of the things. You know, a lot yeah. of times you get into July and like you're trying to come up with content there was stuff to talk about this summer we have not struggled not, for content right <laughs> yeah did you hear that ucla and usc joined the big freaking 10 like did what? you did you hear the pit coach say he did not necessarily like <laughs> his former assistant who's now at nebraska <sighs> that was fun this week i'm up there fishing and i'm looking at my phone and going oh thank god i'm not back to get in that you argument didn't, you didn't miss the faux outrage on twitter all week Hey, our friends at Husker Max, because we our, our podcast gets posted there. Your position yep. previews get posted with our friends yep. at Husker Max, and you can go read some of those at allhuskers.com. Um, but they were tweeting from the official Husker Max account, actually, here's the split on pass to run, besides the fact that you had a Heisman quarterback who was slinging it pretty well. It was a pretty good 50-50 split. I'm sorry, Pitt, that you thought you weren't running the ball enough against Wake Forest. When everything else was working and you won by, what, three touchdowns? 45-24 or something like that, exactly. Look, the way that this evolved on, like, so Pat Narduzzi (laughs) goes back and he's like, hey, yeah, he's talking to radio guys, and he's like, yeah, our our last offensive coordinator just, I don't know what the exact quote, I don't have in front of me, refused to run the ball, didn't want to run the ball, had to pass every time, I don't know what it was exactly, but the, the... the way it evolved was, oh well, look at this is just an even split. Oh well, if you if you really take out this play and this play, and Kenny Pickett ran a fifty-eight yarder and take that out, and like, I look, the way this relates to Nebraska is here's the quote. I have yeah, the exact you got the quote. quote there you go. Yeah, um, Dustin Shoot is the one who who tweeted out there. He's with uh, Outsider. Yeah, um, does a lot of Big Ten stuff. Real good guy. But the quote is. Our old offensive coordinator had no desire to run the ball. Everybody knew it. He was stubborn. Wake Forest was 118th in run defense, and we threw the ball every down. When we ran it, we ran it for 10 yards, but that wasn't good enough. The thing is, that's not true. <laughs> right. He's, he's embellishing to, to fit his argument, which, yeah. as one does. The the point, and, I, and, and yes, you mentioned Kenny Pickett, Heisman Trophy finalist. He was the first quarterback off the board in the NFL draft. Uh, oh, by the way, Bray, uh, Jordan Addison, mm-hmm. uh, Blitnikoff Award winner for Pitt, transferred to USC. It, they had a pretty good offense doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's not something that I'm going to really be messed. And, and they were 11 and two before they lost their bowl game after Pickett had had opted out of that bowl. So not not a bad season. Look, I'm I'm here to tell you if Nobraska goes 11 and two this year. Nobody's going to complain about whether Mark Whipple ran the ball or or passed the ball too much or too le- too little. If it's an eighty twenty split and Nebraska <laughs> wins double digit games, nobody is going to care if you ran the ball eighty percent of the time or threw the ball eighty percent of the time. I don't know. There, you might no, get a couple. No, 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 no. Run the ball guy will not care one iota if Nebraska won ten games and threw the ball eighty percent of the time. The, the the bottom line for this whole silly, silly discussion is... Win. Win. That's all it is. Get the W. <laughs> Mark Whipple did what he did at Pitt last year. And if Pat Narduzzi wants to complain about it in 2022, good for Pat Narduzzi and his signature cuffs. If, Pat, if, if Mark Whipple does uh, for Kenny Pickett and Trey Palmer what he did for... Ken, uh, if he does for Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer, what he did for Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody at Nebraska is going to mind how it looks in terms of the run-pass split. I don't think anybody's going to care if they're close wins or blowout wins. Just get the win. Just win, Bottom baby. line. So it, it's, it's so funny because Pat Narduzzi also had the comment of, Boy, Michigan State, that was that was one of the three or four best teams the Big Ten had to offer. We'd win that conference year in and year out, and da-da-da-da-da. Really? We're going to – he's, he's going to say that because there's no way to check him. Pitt, I take that as seriously as the Connecticut governor saying Power Five conferences are dodging UConn. 
But he, and, well, yeah, that 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 was funny. But here's the other thing: Pat Narduzzi was a Big Ten guy before he went to Pitt. Mm-hmm. He was the DC, or was, was he the head coach? You know, he was a DC under D'Antonio yeah. at Michigan State. He was the defensive coordinator. Um, what? Like, you know the Big Ten. You know that what you are saying is out out lie. Yeah, you know that's not true. That's, <laughs> and but here's the thing. Somebody, here's, here's the thing. Yeah, I'll give yeah. him credit for this. Yeah, is that Pitt? like a number of other schools, is trying to find a way to work themselves into a situation that is advantageous for them as a program going forward. Mm. Um, football programs are really leading the charge on all of the conference realignment. Pitt is within the Big Ten footprint. If you can convince enough people that your program is of the caliber of the Big Ten, um, now what does that mean? Does that mean... You're at least better than Rutgers and Maryland and Nebraska over the last four years, or do you at least have to have Northwestern years where every couple you would be competing for a division? I don't know what that is. But Pitt is trying to convince people that they have a program that could fit within the Big Ten so that they're not one of the programs left out. I think that's really what his comments came back to because he knows in his heart of hearts that that was 0% true, what he was just throwing out into the universe. Yeah. As futile as that argument may be, because <laughs> Pitt ain't coming. But the the other thing that was pointed out, Narduzzi is a defensive guy, right? And so yeah. he may be looking at the way Whipple ran the offense on, on that particular fall Saturday uh, from a defensive perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and so... I don't know how that will vary with Scott Frost being more of an offensive guy. He has defensive coaching in his background as well, but primarily at the big time, he's been an offensive guy at Oregon and UCF. And so looking at it from a, you know, how do I attack this team versus how would I not want to be attacked? That, that sort of perspective changes the way you, you see how Whipple may or may not operate an offense depending on his personnel. And look, he had, as we've mentioned, a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback and a Blitnikoff winner at wide receiver. I don't think if Nebraska has that type of talent here and he and he figures out how to unlock it, I don't think anybody's going to mind if he utilizes it that such. If he has that type of talent that he unlocks at running back, run the hell out of that running back. If Thomas Fedoni gets healthy and he decides, you know what, Vokalek and Fedoni are the best weapons we have on this team, and those two combine for like 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns, I don't think anybody's going to mind. No. Just find a way to exploit the defense, whether it's the the way that your head coach thinks you should or not. If it works, it works. It, this is a results-based business, and Nebraska is just void of any sort of positive result for years and years just go get the thing done. Whipple got it done. I don't think anybody at Nebraska is going to complain about if he gets it done, no matter how it looks. No, and, the, and you no longer have the coaching staff that was intact a couple years ago when you had a second-round wide receiver yeah. on the team and you were running him between the tackles four plays in a row. You don't have that because right now I think you, you are going to have the coaches identify where that talent needs to be. Great on Wandale for being a team-first dude and going and just getting beat up in his one year at Nebraska. Well, he was here for two. Well, yeah. The one year that he had to be running yes. back. Yes, Um Like, fantastic for him, and I think that helped in, in the way NFL teams it's kind saw of funny. him. Yeah. Um, but that was not the correct utilization for him. I think what Whipple is going to do is, hey, whatever works, that's what we're going to do. If running the ball is working, guess what? He's probably going to do that. He likes to use his tight ends. So imagine being able to have used those a lot more over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. We know he can work with quarterbacks and fi- figure some stuff out there. That's going to be good to see. So I think this offense is going to just do whatever is working, and that hasn't been the case over the last four years. Yeah. Think about it. There would be times where, hey, they're running the ball really well, and then we're going to run a screen pass, and then – there's going to be a penalty, and the whole drive is dead. Yep. The play calling being in Whipple's hands is going to be as good as any other change that this team has made in this offseason. One thing that you ran into that year that Wandale had to play a lot of running back was you didn't have depth 
at the running back position. You had Dedrick Mills, but when he was hurt, mm-hmm. they didn't really have anywhere else to turn, and and that kind of forced, you know, it. You, you can say what you want about the decision they made, but it, it, it forced their hand in terms of playing the best guy they had at running back, and it just happened to be a second-round wide receiver who transferred away to Kentucky after that year because you put him at running back. Right. They don't, they're letting that happen this this time around, regardless of who they have and, and, and versatility at the wide receiver position because they do have a lot of guys at running back. <laughs> uh, that depth isn't going to be a concern. Now, how effective can that depth be? That remains to be seen, but... They're not going to run into a situation where they just don't have enough ready-made dudes. Like you're going to feel pretty comfortable running Ramir Johnson, Jacquez Yant, Gabe Irvin out there because all three of those guys did it last year. I don't think they're going to have any worries about Anthony Grant going out there and taking a ton of reps. Um, and then it remains to be seen what you may be able to get out of AJ Allen and Emmett Johnson, the incoming freshman, as well. But there's bodies there. Yes, there's bodies yeah. that you can turn to. Um, so I, I like that one. You have the availability of players. Yep. You were definitely missing that a couple of years ago. You have a coaching staff that wants to utilize the talent they have that maximizes what that talent can do. A lot, the coaching staff, particularly Mickey Joseph, talking about he wants his guys on special teams. Fisher wants his DBs on special teams. So it's you're going to take the guys that are best suited to do a lot of these things, and that has not always been the case under Frost. What does that mean this year? Like we're going to talk with Baz and see what he thinks is coming up this year, but I think there's a lot that still needs to be figured out. How how much can we even predict anything? Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to make predictions in a few weeks, but yeah. it's real tough. Yeah, exactly. And what, one, one name to, to throw out here to tie up this conversation, Frank Signetti Jr. Do you know who that is? I do not. That is the 2022 Pitt Panthers offensive coordinator. They're gonna they're gonna run up, roll out the ball here to start their season September first. Actually, game day is going to the backyard brawl, Pitt, West Virginia. Okay. Uh, and Frank Signetti Jr. Just be be prepared to have your work critiqued somewhere down the road by your boss Pat Narduzzi, <laughs> because if you don't have that run pass split the way he wants, depending on what he sees from that defense, you're gonna take some incoming later on. I'm just saying. So best best yeah. of luck. There you go. All right, we got Baz coming up. We're gonna discuss. More of this upcoming 2022 season. We got Big Ten Media Days next week. Uh, I'm interested to hear what Baz has uh, on the docket in terms of what he wants to know from Quentin Newsom, Garrett Nelson, and Travis Vokalek, as well as Scott Frost. Uh, Nebraska's representatives are going to be over in Indy, as well as our summer position preview continuation. We've got the defensive line today. Uh, we will run down what is going on at the D-line position it's not as much as they had last year in terms of the depth, but we'll, uh, we'll discuss what we may be able to get out of them when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Essentially on the eve of Big Ten Media Days, we're going to talk to one of the Nebraska Media Days guys. That's Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal Star. If he's not on the golf course, you can hear him all across the radio band, and, and he's here with us here this Saturday morning. Baz, how are you? I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you joining. And uh, we've got our uh, position previews wrapping up next week with offensive line, and today we've got defensive line. And I think any conversation that starts and ends with – or any conversation about Nebraska football in 2022 kind of starts and ends with both of these lines. And there's definitely concerns on the defensive side in particular just in the fact that they lost a lot of depth and didn't really replenish it very well other than those couple of late transfers in. Where are you at in terms of, of your comfort level on the defensive line heading into this season? Yeah, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm kind of in prove it mode. Like, like I kind of am with a lot of positions on this team. Like you said, it's, it's, you've got those three transfers coming in and, you, and you've got a lot of question marks after that. You just, you lost so much experience, uh, from last season's team. It's just guys that played so many snaps and so many snaps in the Big Ten and you replace them with guys that either haven't played very many snaps in the Big Ten or have played zero snaps in the Big Ten. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a deal where, 
could they be okay and, and be a strength of this team? Yeah, absolutely they could. But I, I need to see it first just because I think there's just so many unknowns with that group right now, especially with the transfers. Without having seen it, what, what are your expectations for the middle of that defensive line? <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's where we all are, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it could be any number of guys playing in there. It could be, you know, a, a more experienced guy like like Stefan Wynn. It could be a, a less experienced guy like Nash Hupmacher. Like, it, there's just, it's just such a wide range of variables for that position. I think, you know, at least with offensive line, you kind of have an idea who, who the top, you know, who, who that top line is going to be and, and maybe one or two of the backups with the defensive line. I just think there's so many different ways they can go with it. And, and I'm not sure the coaching staff knows which way they're going to go with it yet. You know, I just think that's what it is right now. I, they probably have a pretty good idea, but you know, I think a lot of that's going to get shaken out in fall camp. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I hate to say I have expectations for it because I have no idea what it's even going to look like yet. Well, that's Chris Baznet, and that's the defensive line conversation for this week. Yeah, thanks, guys. I've got to provide my expertise on that one. The 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 name the name that does not get thrown around in terms of guys Nebraska is going to miss, but maybe the guy they miss the most is Damian Daniels. Nobody really yeah. talks about. He wasn't one of the guys drafted. He he's he's not you know the the Cam Taylor Britt or Cam Jurgens going in the second round, and it, he's he's not even one of those late round guys. Like it's just. He did so much in terms of clogging up the middle. Uh, he, he basically owned that second half defensively against Michigan State that set Nebraska up to win if special teams hadn't let him down. His, his loss in the middle, I think, is, is maybe the most irreplaceable part of the 2021 defense, maybe the 2021 team as a whole. And you're just going to have to rely on guys like Nash Hutmacher, like Mosai Newsom. Uh, like Devin Drew and Stephon Wynn, maybe even uh, those transfers, maybe a guy like Colton Feast, who, who's uh, been a walk-on in the program for five years now. They, they, they're really just going to have to go to places that maybe they wouldn't want to, but they they just really don't have a choice. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And you, you don't think of guys in the middle of defensive line as, as being stars, right? Unless they're named in Namakong Sioux, you know, and just, and just totally dominant. But it's you, you have to have – you have to have high-end, solid guys at that position, especially with the way Nebraska wants to play defense with the multiple fronts, with the 3-4 occasionally. You you have to have a guy that's going to take up a double team in the middle and, and free up some linebackers or free up those edge rushers. You you just have to have it, and you need to have multiple of those guys if, if you have that kind of luxury. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's, that's a departure that probably doesn't get talked about enough with everything else that's gone on in this offseason, the number of new guys coming in, the guys that left, that's going to be as important a position to get right as, as any on the team. And it, it's, it maybe kind of sounds funny to say that when you think about breaking a new quarterback and new receivers and, and new running backs and things like that. But man, if you've got to have that right in the big 10 and, and we know that you've got to be good up front in the big 10. And if you're good up front in the big 10, that means you're pretty darn good in the middle of that line. So yeah, finding I don't know if you necessarily find a guy to, to replace Damian Daniels, but but like you said, it could be a number of guys that have to step into that role and try to fill it. Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal Star joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour talking D-line. Uh, let's zoom out a little bit. It is Big Ten Media Days coming up next week. If you have one question that you would get, you'd be able to get an honest answer from all three of Nebraska's reps and their coach, for that matter, um, in, in Indy next week, what is that question? What would you be asking them? Oh boy, how, how how nervous are you for this season? <laughs> you know, I, I think, and again, a lot of that goes back to to the unknowns. Like, like how do you really feel about this season? And we know what they're going to say. You know, when when we ask them that question. But if you if you did give them some some truth serum, would it, would it be a different answer? You know, would, would it be yeah? We, we we've got some questions. We're we're nervous about this. We don't know what it's going to look like. I, I think that would be the thing that I would want to know. And like I said, outwardly, publicly, we know what the answers are going to be. You know, we're excited. We feel good. We've, we've got all the pieces and, and this, that, and the other thing. But but do they really feel like that, you know, in the coach's offices, in the locker room, or do they have some questions? Do they wonder if if this is going to work? Do, is, there, is there pressure internally to make it work among the players and, and among the coaches? So, yeah, again, it's it, – 
you could ask if I had true serum, I'd ask him a whole bunch of questions, but I'd probably start with that <laughs> one just because I'd, I'd, I'd like to know, you know, what the, what the mood is really like behind closed doors. Baz talking about big 10 media days. It, it was announced who those reps are going to be. And there were some folks, especially for other programs, but also Husker fans. I don't think Husker media is so much concerned with it, but what's your take about Nebraska football, not taking a quarterback and, I mean, obviously, presumed starter Casey Thompson. Yeah, like you said, maybe probably not a big deal to me just because I think they want to try and make that competition at least look as <laughs> as open as possible, you know, going going into fall camp, even if it maybe isn't going to be open. And, and who knows? You know, maybe it's a deal where, where Chubba Purdy or Logan Smothers is closer to Casey Thompson than we think. And maybe that's the reason you don't do it. I, I just I think it comes down to, are paranoid and we know that so it's probably as simple as we don't want to take Casey because we don't want to have any inkling that he might have an edge over the other guys and and I think that's sometimes the simplest explanation is the best one that's that's the one I kind of lean towards what would he be a good representative there yeah sure and and a lot of teams do bring do bring a quarterback along and usually bring their starters so I think it's just a way for Nebraska to kind of avoid that series of questions of, Oh, I see you brought Casey. Does that mean, does that mean he's starting for you? And, and so you, you avoid that, but, but then maybe you open it up to, Oh, so why didn't you bring a quarterback? You know who your starter is? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's never ending. You can never, you can never pray get it right. But if I had to guess, that would be why. How long until we get to say competition without putting air quotes around it? <laughs> never till the end of time eternity it's, it's just going to be like that and it we we laugh about it it's like it would be like that with just about every coach in the country because you know everything has to be this this closely guarded you know national secret uh, which is just so funny to me in college football when you think about the pro game where where media can attend practice and everything's open and there's all these injury reports and things like that and you get college football and it's like we're you know, we're guarding the whole, the Holy Grail so Indiana Jones can't get his hands on it or, or something like that. So, yeah, I, I don't think we'll see we'll see the end of air quotes around competition anytime soon. Uh, we'll get you out here on this, Baz. Uh, where's Nebraska basketball at with the hiring process to find that third assistant coach to replace Armand Gates? Yeah, I think it's a deal where, like, like Fred said, they're going to take their time and, and obviously – the calendar says it's got to happen pretty soon. You, you need to have a guy in place, you know, by the time the school year starts. So when guys are starting their, their fall workouts, you, you have that in place. You can start building that, that familiarity and, and that cohesiveness that you need. So, yeah, like we say, Fred, Fred's going to, Fred has said he's going to take his time. I'm sure he is taking his time. I'm sure he is being careful. He's also going to be very quiet about it as well. So we may not know the answer until it actually happens. But again, the calendar says it's got to happen sooner rather than later. Chris Baznet, Lincoln Journal star. Uh, appreciate the time. Uh, good luck out there, and uh, we will uh, hopefully not hear any uh, Pat Narduzzi-type quotes after this interview's over from you, all right? <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Appreciate the time. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal Star. Just joined us in our last segment. Hitting on some football, hit on some hoops. And, of course, if you missed that, you can head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com or you can hit us up on the Facebook page. That's at KLIN Huskers. Uh, no video today, uh, but you do have videos from previous shows over there on the Facebook page with our Facebook Lives. So uh, check those out. We, uh, we we should mention before we dig in here to the, the D-line preview, Caleb, Nebraska this week announced who is going to Indianapolis to represent the Huskers for Big Ten Media Days. And and lo and behold, our, our captain predictions just might be dead-on accurate because you, you had... Well, on the offensive side of the ball, we were saying, Captain, you're probably going to have Casey you're Thompson. probably going to get quarterback, yep. He's not going. 
Correct. And, There's and, only three. We think four or five captains. Right. And, and Baz was exactly right. You don't take the quarterback. You don't open yourself up to questions about a competition, but then you open yourself up for yeah. other questions. Whatever. Yep. Offensive side of the ball. We both went to the tight end. Mm-hmm. Who's going to Indy? Travis Vogel. That's right. On the defensive side of the ball. Garrett Nelson's easy. We went Garrett Nelson right away. Going to Indy. And then, or wait, Chicago. Is it Chicago? Indy? I never go. I think it's in Chicago. We're not going. so Dude, we never go, so we don't have to pay attention to, like, that part of it. I don't have a hotel reservation. I'm not mapping out my route. Yeah, that's that's just just what we are right now. No, they're going to Indy because it's going to be the Big Ten championship game. That's why we're saying Indy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, But, so, Garrett Nelson. So, Vokalek and Nelson. And then we both had the same second defensive captain, and then you went and added another one, and we'll talk about him on our defensive line. How dare we? It's an indie. It's an indie. Why would we doubt ourselves? Not me. Couldn't be me. Um, Can't relate. <laughs> who'd have thought? But the the second guy that we both went to immediately, immediately after Garrett Nelson, Quentin Newsom. Yep. Defensive back. Going to indie. Going to indie. So we... Absolutely nailed that. I think you can expect all three of those guys going to Big Ted Media Days are going to be captains. I think so. So now, one of the guys that was on the maybe next man up list. He was the guy that I brought up after you said Newsom defensively, and it's Ty Robinson. Yes. So it's Ty Robinson and some dudes. At D-line. Yeah. Yeah, you you got to figure some some stuff out on this defensive line. Because they're going to, for all we talked about, and last week we talked about uh, linebackers and edge. So your inside linebackers and your edge guys. Um, the talent that was added there, plus the returning talent. Especially your inside linebackers would be the returning talent. And your edge, O'Shawn Mathis. If you missed that, hit up the podcast page, KLIN.com. It's also on Spotify and all these other places. Yep. Um, that you could go find that and listen back to that conversation. Cole also wrote up a great position preview that's at allhuskers.com. Um, and you can go read out a little bit more um, in detail there. But all of those guys are going to need someone on the interior holding the middle of the offensive line in check so that they can go get to the quarterback, get the tackles for loss. Because if you're weak in the middle and they can just run inside constantly, go hit that A-gap, and your inside linebackers have to be cleaning up a lot instead of being able to attack, that's going to hurt your defense down the road. So... Ty Robinson, immediately, off the top. He's got the experience. He's got the body. My favorite term, fourth-year sophomore. Going to really miss that from COVID. Oh, fourth-year sophomore. It's cool now. It was not cool in 1986. (laughs) Fourth-year sophomore, Ty Robinson. Plug the middle. I think we can expect that. That's going to be a guy. What else can we expect? Because we've known from this black shirt defensive line you got to rotate some guys mm. not just because eventually you you have to have the contingency of injuries but chenander has liked to rotate guys when we've talked with the position coaches for the rest of the defense they want to be able to rotate defensive backs rotate linebackers because of how one physical the offenses can be well just everybody in the league for the big 10 but two there are times where that pace comes into play when you play in Ohio State, when you play a Minnesota. But they're so physical with all of their stuff that when you get into the fourth quarter against Wisconsin and Iowa, they've been beating you up from the offensive side of the ball. And if you're in the middle of those lines going against those big, beefy boys, you got to be able to get someone else in there. Who else besides Ty Robinson are we even looking at? Yeah, so... It- before we dig into that, just just to run down the guys that Nebraska is losing, and and it's important to to kind of remember this because there's more important people that Nebraska lost off the team that are like just the one guy from that particular position group, right? Like Adrian Martinez, the one quarterback. Cam Jurgens, the one offensive lineman. Cam Taylor Britt, 
there's more guys in the secondary. You can maybe even say Jojo Doman was more important potentially with his versatility than Cam Taylor Britt, but uh, really one main guy that they're losing off of these units, and that's what's really, you know, Austin Allen at, at, at tight end. I would even put Jojo more on the linebacker side of Perhaps. it. Perhaps. Because he played more there and then could cover. You can split the difference with that nickel spot. Yeah. The, the point, the, the defensive line, here's the thing with the D-line, there's multiple guys that were contributors in a lot of plays and a lot of production that that are not going to be a part of this squad. Damian Daniels, Ben Stilley, uh, and then Casey Rogers and DeAndre Thomas. Uh, four guys. Casey Rogers only played in seven games, 17 tackles, three for a loss, half a sack. DeAndre Thomas played all 12 games, 23 tackles, one and a half sacks. And then uh, Damian Daniels, uh, 11 of 12 games, 33 tackles, two for loss. Ben Stilley, all 12 games, 42 total tackles, led the team in D-line, uh, six for loss, and then one and a half sacks. Ty Robinson is the only one in the top five that returns. Mm-hmm. So it, it not necessarily the the quality, but they were kind of unsung. They did the, the grunt work down there. They didn't get a lot of recognition for it, but losing four out of those five guys out of your top rotation – um, actually, four out of your top six, if you want to count Jordan Riley, because Jordan Riley's gone too. That's right. Um, had one sack, seven tackles, played in ten games. But that's the part about you have to this defensive line. They've liked to rotate. Yeah, get some guys through there, and that's why we're you're six deep, and only one guy's coming back. Yeah. So so Ty Robinson obviously jumps off the page in terms of 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 being a guy that needs to play a lot. Uh, I think your your second most snaps that you might get out of the D line this year, uh, it could be Devin Drew. The guy from Texas Tech. He played a lot for the Red Raiders the last couple of years. Uh, Stephon Wynn, I think, might get a little bit more run, like in 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 terms of what people are excited about uh-huh. long term, just because of the pedigree coming from a place like Alabama. Uh, but Devin Drew has a lot more real world D one experience, snaps, actually being in the trenches and knowing what it takes. Uh, and he's an older guy than than Stephon Wynn. We said this with the defensive backs. You didn't go get guys in the transfer portal for them to sit. They are they are expected to be there and compete, not just compete for time, but compete to start. Yeah. So and, so so that's one of the things that immediately when you talk about Drew um, has to jump out that he needs to be in the conversation because if you went and got him in the transfer portal, you're not bringing them in to sit. Yeah. Drew twenty three games in his two seasons in in Lubbock, uh, twelve starts as well. Um, played every game in 2020, 21 tackles, and then 55 tackles last year. Was uh, an All-American in junior college at Iowa Western, uh, totaling 97 tackles, 14 and a half sacks from the D-line position. Um, so, so Drew, having been out of his high school for, you know, this is his fifth year out of high school, mm-hmm. 6'2", 280, not as big. Uh, but the experience factor, I think, is, is, is maybe what carries him. So you got Devin Drew, uh, Nash Hutmacher. Yep. Step right up. Uh the polar bear. It's time. Best best nickname on the team. He he's Far away. <laughs> he's he's got um he, he's got every opportunity. Um he could potentially step into that sort of Damian Daniels type role where he's just that big old wide body who can plug up the middle and really make it difficult for these running games to get going. Michigan State had a lot of trouble getting going against uh, Nebraska's front. Um, Iowa and Wisconsin are certainly going to run the ball right at you. Minnesota, the same thing. So Nash Hotmacher, he he may be. I don't know that he's going to give. He, I, I tell you right now, he's probably not going to be able to give you the same numbers of snaps in terms of what Damian Daniels was able to do last year. But get you know get halfway there, get sixty percent of the snaps, seventy. You know, try to get close to that number um, and and build up the stamina and and build up what you can do uh, and still hold up play after play. Uh, against the Big Ten offensive line. Mosai Newsom, he's been around for a long time as well. Uh, is, is this the year he finally takes advantage of that opportunity? Um, Colton Feast, the, the walk-on from UTAN, he's, he's in his fifth year now, uh, about the same size as Devin Drew, a little bit undersized, uh, but works hard, knows the scheme. He, he, he's got a chance to contribute with the vacuum of experience there. This is around the time that when you talk the walk-on program, yeah, this is where you want to see guys that – Maybe they walked on, didn't have as much opportunity. It's those guys that have been here a fifth year. And the and, lines especially. And on the lines especially. Yeah. The guys that have been able to go through and develop. He's bigger than he was coming out of UTAN. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I would hope most of us were. Um, out of high school talking there. Yeah. But 
he's gone through. He's been part of the program. The defense hasn't had a whole bunch of coaching turnover. So he's been able to know what's going on. This is the part when you get into years four, five, and sometimes six, especially we're going to talk about with the COVID years, that guys need to be, because the opportunities are there, especially in a room that lost a bunch of talent, that you will be, you will have the opportunities to step in, even as a walk-on, and there's an opportunity there. By the way, shout-out C2 State Champs 2017. My, my cousin Dan Krychek is the head coach over there in UTAN. Nice. So want to make sure I give him his due. They were at state basketball a lot around that time, too. Yeah. Pretty good athletes. Good good class. So th- those are uh, almost almost all the names. The other guys to keep in mind, uh, you might see Marquise Black a little bit as well, and then uh, Ruquan Buckley and Jalen Weaver. So uh, Jalen Weaver is a big, big dude. Um, Jalen Weaver, let me pull his, uh, his numbers up here. I want to say he's 6'8". Yeah, 6'8", listed on Huskers.com. At a svelte three forty five, uh, if if they can get him to a place where he's got good weight, he's a massive, massive individual. Um, so I don't know that you'll see a whole lot of him, uh, but you might try to get him some snaps here and there, and and, and try to build up the stamina. Uh, just played in one game last year as a true freshman over Fordham, uh, in the win over Fordham. So those those are your guys. Uh, it's not a lot of depth. Uh, you got Ty Robinson, Devin Drew, Nash Hutmacher, Stephon Wynn, Mosai Newsom, Colton Feast, Marquise Black, Ruquan Buckley, Jalen Weaver. Uh, the way that they're structuring the defense, you may only see two of those D linemen out there. At any given time, because you can play Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner and O'Shawn Mathis right up there along the line. You can move those chess pieces around if you're Eric Janander uh, and you feel pretty good about where those inside linebackers are with Henrich and, and Reimer. How about an opportunity to put, if you had to, say you get into a goal line situation and you've got Drew yep. and Robinson and Hutmacher. Mm-hmm. And you get all of those guys, obviously get one of them pretty much nose tackle, yeah, and then just shoulder to shoulder up the middle. I think there's going to be an opportunity for some of that, especially when you see some of the teams like Iowa and Wisconsin. So that's the part about early in the season. We've talked about this for other positions. How much can you build that depth and get the experience for that back half of the season? This is one of those position groups that can you get a good rotation going? And can you get the experience that something happens and all of a sudden there's a a third and one? And you go, let's go big Mm. and get the guys out there. Now, obviously, there's going to be more opportunity to get extra edge guys out there, extra linebackers. But is there going to be a time that you go just plug the hell out of the middle of the line? I trust Chenander to this point with what he's done with the black shirts that they're going to get creative at times like that. Mm. And so... Big picture here, look, the way that defense played last year was the reason why Nebraska was in many of those games and had a chance at the end. Uh, didn't take advantage of them, various reasons there, obviously, but the, the defense played extremely, extremely well. You trust the staff. You, you know that what they've been building back there has been working. That culture has been taking hold. Um, but one of the re and, and they've made the changes in special teams. They made the changes on offense. So there's, there's reason for optimism that, that things can turn around. But those changes may take time to get hold. Um, and then the other but, this D-line, I mean, I just don't feel like they have my confidence quite yet. I just don't, I don't, I don't have the level of, uh, I, I, I'm just very unsure about what you can get from them, what you can count on from them. And if you don't get, you know, 50% of the production out of the D-line, uh, if they can't hold up like they did last year, you're going to take a step back on on defense. And then the offense will not have that longer runway to ramp up and get better and, and, and try to figure things out. That offense is going to have to hit the ground running more. We're talking about offensive line next week. Very similar uh, uh, scenario there in terms of, of skepticism for me, but they just don't have a lot of pieces on the D-line, and there's just not a lot of experience and depth there. I do think... Because of the way this defense is set up, and you're looking at one to two guys out there um, for the interior defensive line, I would call last year's defensive line good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. It wasn't excellent, but it was, it was good. You went out and you got some stuff. This average year, to above average. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. This year's defense, I, for the defensive line guys, I would say you want better, but at least be adequate. Be don't, adequate. Don't be below average. At least try yeah. to stay right there in don't, the middle. Don't be a weak link in the defense. Go out and be someone who can do your job, but you might not put up numbers. Mm-hmm. You might be there and you're just plugging holes. You're, you're taking blockers. Because on the defense, obviously there's the stuff at the back end, but I think so much of this is built around, like we talked last week, with the linebackers and the edge. Yeah. So I'm able to, I, in my head, I'm giving a little bit more leeway to these defensive line guys in the interior. I'm going to want them. I would love for them to be great or excellent. And someone just all of a sudden be like, now that's a dude who stepped up in the offseason and now is taking advantage of his reps this year. But in reality, I'm saying just go be adequate. Mm. And anything more than that is going to be just the cherry on top because the defensive line is not built to be the focal point on this defense. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. when you've lost a bunch of production and you have guys stepping in, go go do your best, and you don't tell them this, but we all know it, just get to adequate. Just be average to above average. Do your job and let everyone around you take care of it. Right. This doesn't need to be said out loud, but we'll just disclaimer it. Neither Caleb nor I are Mike Dawson, Nebraska D-line coach. So this is not what we're advocating in practice. Like, hey, I'm I'm Mike Dawson. Hey, guys, let's let's just be let's just not be below average. Just get to average. Just be just be adequate. This is not the message that they're receiving internally, obviously. But if they can do that, if they can just hold up and let the rest of the defense do what they can do because we know what the rest of that defense can do um then then you're you're still going to be able to make sure that the defense doesn't fall off a cliff yeah they, like they, they, that's just where we need it to be <laughs> yeah that that would be quite the 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 get out of a, a media availability if you hear that sort of message from Mike Dawson in the middle of practice wouldn't that have been great last year on the offense when you get into the red zone just be adequate just, be- <laughs> just please for the love of everything out there just be adequate. <sighs> Hopefully, we're above average for you today. We've got one more. Uh, one more. By the way, that's a uh, that's a quick preview of my soon to be wife's vows at the wedding. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Caleb, just be adequate. You got it, babe. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good stuff. All right, we got more good stuff coming up. Uh, some some uh, other news to get to, and uh, we will wrap this thing up and preview Big Ten Media Days when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Recruiting's cooled down a little bit lately for Nebraska. Huskers standing at 14 commits. I uh, don't think we touched on Ashley Williams last week. Uh, Ashley Williams is actually the second highest rated recruit now in Nebraska's class. An edge guy out of Louisiana, six four two fifteen, mm-hmm. four star uh, on uh, Husker on Hus- uh, on the twenty four seven Sports Composite rankings. Nebraska sitting at thirtieth yeah. overall. I and- think that that's a, that's a good place for him right now. You've got some other guys out there now. Nebraska did lose a guy within the city. Um, right, Lincoln High wide receiver is, is it pronounced Ngoi? Something like that, Benny um, Goy, yeah. So he Lincoln he's High. committed to Iowa State, and I will tell you why that's a good thing. If a wide receiver within your own backyard, sometimes that can be viewed as that's a loss. Would Nebraska love to bring that guy in? I think absolutely. But I think overall, this is a positive for Nebraska, and here's why. Someone in the backyard for Nebraska can see the depth in that wide receiver room. And yet you want guys that are going to say, I want to be challenged and I want to go compete for a spot. Mm-hmm. For all the success Iowa State has had over the last few years, especially compared to Nebraska, it's easier to go get reps and time at Iowa State in that position room than it is at Nebraska right now. Yes, we, we, we still need to see a, like the wide receivers actually break out and do a whole lot. Um, even more than there were times where Samori Toure disappeared last year. I I saw that commitment, and I went, I get it. I get it from the student-athlete's side making that commitment that that is a really deep room, and I only expect Mickey Joseph to continue to make that room better. That's a hard room to get into and crack 
time out on the field. Not only that, but the, Nebraska's got three wide receivers committed in this class already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry Jackson from Georgia, he's a, a three-star. Uh, and then two of the top five prospects in the class now, Jaden Doss and Omarion Miller. Uh, those are highly rated guys. Miller's the highest rated guy in the class. Um, and, and you mentioned Nagoi uh, being in the backyard. There's another guy in Nebraska's backyard who may or may not become a part of this class at some point here, too. Look at him. That Nebraska's looking at wide receiver. At. Look at him. Very different if he were to decide to go somewhere else. You know? uh, yes. Yes. That would be that would be a different. Yeah. That Malachi Coleman. He's a uh, kind of a big deal. And uh, getting him would be uh, a big, big win. Uh, for Scott Frost and Mickey <laughs> Joseph, for sure. Um, otherwise, yeah, we're we're looking at Big Ten Media Days next week. If you had, we asked Baz this earlier. If you had one question to ask those guys, and you, you got a true answer out of them, what would it be? When you guys are, I guess, if I could get a true answer, yeah. And obviously, we know that the the teams want to go through and say, "Here's our goals: win the division, win the Big Ten, yep. go to college football playoff, all that stuff." But if you could tell me what what is your realistic goal mm-hmm. going into this year? Is it just is like is it make a bowl game? Is that where you have that circled? Make a bowl game, everything else we figure out. Or is it win the division? And you expect that you're going to make a bowl game, but it's you're legitimately in your head and with the talent on the team say you can compete for the division. Mm-hmm. Like what is that absolute realistic goal that you have for this fall? Yeah, that's good. I think mine would be if if you are if you are again getting an honest answer. There have been a lot of changes this year. Do you actually think the changes are going to work, or do you still feel like this is just a hodgepodge? Right. Like those are those are the concerns that I have. Like you changed half the coaching staff, you flipped a lot of the roster, fifteen Division One transfers. There's just a lot of change, and so I want to see if they think that that's working, if they feel like right. that's changing. Um, didn't turn out to be a victory, but shout-out Keisei Tomonaga yeah. for hitting every three-pointer imaginable. He had against, eight threes uh, and 33 points in their semifinal loss to Australia. Yeah, so uh, bring some of that back to Lincoln, please. Yeah, and maybe Big Ten opponents just you know leave him open like Australia was. Yeah, also there's, there's also that side. <laughs> let, let give him space out by the logo. I want to see him shoot one of those suckers in PBA. That's that's what I want. Let him put it up from the panhandle, you cowards! All right, that's gonna do it for us. That's Caleb. I'm Cole, and uh, congrats again uh, for the new podcast and for the uh, thank you forthcoming nuptials. Uh, excited for you for that as well. Uh, we will have another show next week. Last position preview and Big Ten Media Days wrap up. We are getting into fall camp, folks. It is time for football here in Nebraska. That's it. Go Big Red. <laughs>